Radio Drone. It is the lovely 100th episode of Radio Drome. Brad, be honest. When I came to you about two years ago, did you ever think we'd hit 100 episodes with this train wreck of a show? Yeah, I kind of did. Uh, I, I figured as much. I mean, I don't really look into the future all that much. So, <laughs> With this being our 100th episode, I don't know which Adam and Eve promo this is, but Go to adamandeve.com, use the promo code DROME, and get three free DVDs, a free mystery gift, 50% off of a single item, and a free mystery gift, all for using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. Haven't said that a hundred times, but almost, huh, Brad? Even if it was a hundred, you probably still wouldn't know the details of it, would you? No, probably not. All other than the butt stuff. <laughs> other than the butt stuff, fair enough. And then <laughs> since Brian is still on hiatus, we got Swade Alex back tonight. Yes. Hello. When we started this, Radiodrome 2.0, if you will, were you enthused at first, or were you kind of like, oh, Christ, I don't want to do this every week? No, no, no. I uh, uh, I was uh, really happy to do it. There would be at least one thing I'd have on my site in a given week, you know? That's weekly content. So that's all I am to you, is weekly content? With benefits. <laughs> that's true. Did did you ever regret teaming up with me even when we got started getting all the hate mail and everything? Because personally, once all that started, Brad, the hit count started to go way up. So I think it helped. I know. I I agree. Are you are you kidding? Are you kidding? That's what started getting really fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree and I and I disagree with that. I'm not so sure. About this. Most of this was fun. Not all of it. <laughs> Your theme is now the Matlock theme. See, and I don't even like Matlock. Couldn't they have chosen something like like Miami <laughs> Vice Dow. or something cool? Diagnosis Murders. I wouldn't mind Jack. I wouldn't mind Jan Hammer's Miami Vice theme. I can go with that. <laughs> no, dude. Ben Matlock. At least he's still got a show where a guy wears a white suit coat. Alright, now Alex, since you were a, a latecomer to this, when you started listening, did you immediately hate me? Because I I know you started listening for Brad. You've already told me that. That's a given. Yes. He, he's one of them who does. He's one of them who comments that Brad's not on this wall. Well, not listening. Even if he's on it, he doesn't listen. Even if he's on That you're not on. Why did he click on it? He knew I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do I, do I hate you? No. And I never actually did. I'm like, hey, this guy's got an opinion. He's, he's outspoken. It's a dumb opinion, but it's an opinion. Yeah, but it's <laughs> not like a lot of people that just say what what people want to hear kind of thing. I've heard way too many podcasts that pandering is the only way I can put it. And th that's one thing, Brad, you and I have gotten into fights both on air and off about certain movies. Both you and I, we really do hate what we hate, right? I mean, we're not putting on a show or playing anything up. Oh, yeah. I, I think the best fight <laughs> I heard was over Volcano. Yeah, when, when Brad just, just spontaneously went off on Volcano for no apparent reason. <laughs> oh, yeah, like you going off on Joss Whedon for no apparent reason every five minutes hey hey i try to space it out to 10 now i'm getting better <laughs> all right give me give me a little credit here and you're failing miserably speaking of joss whedon and this is not me ranting about it have you guys seen here he's doing another movie i'm so pissed <laughs> no have you guys seen one of the foreign dvds of the avengers and all the english plot description on the back no no huh okay i'm going to read this as it's written okay Captain America, in Frozen a few years later, wake up. The world is not what he used to familiar appearance. Various types of evil opponent to emerge in an endless stream. The whole society turbulent. Sheet relies on a person's power is unable to save the world. So the United States of America, Captain Iron Man, Thor, the Hulk, and other superheroes together... Can <laughs> Consisting of the history of the most powerful Avengers team, the common good and evil fighting for peace. That's all one sentence, by the way. <laughs> Stocks come unexpectedly. Powerful evil forces on Earth caused a deadly threat. No A.S. Uper hero alone can resist. Long-term commitment to protecting the global safety shield board shield was the commander to be taken by surprise. The one-eyed man, Nick Fury, realizes trust. <laughs> I just read that verbatim. See, now, Josh, if you had seen the movie, you'd know that that all makes total sense. 
Oh, that's why I was lost. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure what country that was from because the, the picture of it is just a close-up of that section. with a, You can see a little bit of Nick Fury on the side. But mm-hmm. my God, that is some serious English going on, huh? I mean, they even spelled <laughs> Nick Fury. F-A-I-R-U-I. Fury. Nick Fury. That's played by David Hasselhoff. You mean there was another person that played Nick Fury? Not to me. <laughs> I want to ask you guys, tonight's topic, since some people will say this applies to me and this show, not necessarily Brad because they still like him, and Alex too new, should a filmmaker pack it in when they can't make movies the way they should anymore? And I'm not talking about the whole artistic, you do what you do because you love it kind of thing. I'm talking about something Toby Hooper said, 2000 interview. He basically said, he doesn't care whether he makes good movies anymore. He just likes making movies. To me, that says, then you need to stop making movies. When you don't care whether it's good or not, to me, you've you've lost it as a filmmaker, and I think you just need to quit. What do you guys think? No, I don't think they need to quit. I think if they want to make movies, they should keep making movies. That's what they like doing. He does it because he likes it, and so these movies aren't very good anymore. All right, you know, that sucks, but I'm not going to stop somebody from doing something they like. You know, I'll agree on that. Yeah, that if they like doing it, they should keep doing it. However, they shouldn't jump into it with the same expectations that it's going to be the same success as it was back then. But see, like in, in Hooper's case, he doesn't care. He just wants to make the movie and move on to the next film. He doesn't care whether the acting was good whether it was even well-directed, he's just putting in like a nine-to-five day. He he said he just loves being on the set. He doesn't even care if the script is decent. That, to me, just shows a man that doesn't care anymore. Well, yeah, that there's... Shows him he's, uh, it shows me that he's at least honest enough to say that. All right, I'll give you the honest part, but Crocodile and the Toolbox Murders and Mortuary, and it just it seems like Toby Hooper gave up, but he's not ready to give up, if that makes sense. He did the remake of Toolbox Murders? Yeah. Oh, I actually kind of like that. <laughs> I, I haven't seen the remake yet. I've seen parts of it on cable, but I have not seen the whole film yet. I didn't even really like the original Toolbox Murders. I, I Honestly, I, neither did I really, the, the original one. like I liked the first half of it, but it kind of just lost me after that. And you know what? It, this might be a case where I actually did enjoy the remake better. There's a few of those out there. Um, I mean, a, a, a modern remake, not remakes as in the entire history of remakes since the dawn of film. Yeah, because I truly liked The Night of the Living Dead 1990. That was a damn good Yeah, movie. yeah. I'm talking, yeah, about the more current generation of remakes. You know what? I actually liked the Dawn of the Dead remake. I didn't think it was a bad movie, but it the original is probably my favorite horror film of all time, so I have a lot of problems with the remake. But it's it's admittedly it's mostly nitpicky stuff. Oh, some stuff I'd find. Yeah, probably. <laughs> like I like the the Dawn of the Dead remake, not as a remake, just as okay, it's a fun zombie film. But as a remake itself, it's has problems. <laughs> well, even George Romero admitted there's one aspect he wished he'd thought of, and that was the whole gun store across the street thing. He absolutely loved that aspect of the remake. That's one thing I'll give James Gunn credit for. I thought the whole communication with Andy through the signs and whatnot, that was a very clever, clever way to do that. I, I did like that. There's things about the movie I like. I like that. Also, the zombie baby, pretty creepy. Uh-huh. Yeah, I like the zombie baby part. That was that was pretty legitimately creepy. But, you know, like, to me, the Toby Hooper thing, you've also got some other big names that... Now, I won't say they gave up, because I, I, I will not put Romero on this list yet. I think he can still pull it back. The last two and a half movies he've ma- he's made were awful. The, s- the second half of Diary of the Dead, All of Survival, and that Dead Time stories basically showed that he doesn't care anymore to me. I don't agree with that about George Romero. I, di- I really didn't like Diary of the Dead. I really didn't like Survival of the Dead. But I think he did. Like he- I think he was legitimately really wanting to make good movies with those i think he was trying at least trying to get some kind of point across with it like he 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 does with the other movies 
I, I didn't think it worked, but I didn't think he was trying to phone it in. Well, I don't mean phoning it in. That's why I said I'm not quite ready to put Romero on that list, but he's starting down the Toby Hooper path of, you know, I can't get the budget I want, but I'm going to make it anyway, even if the quality of the film itself suffers. Uh-huh. That, that's what I'm talking about, that he, he admitted he hated using CGI for so much of the gore in survival, yeah. but he just couldn't figure out another way to do it on his budget. To me, that means then you don't make the movie if you can't make it the way you want. And Romero used to be like that. Go back to Day of the Dead in 85. Yeah. He wanted to make that like Land of the Dead. It was this huge zombie epic. They cut his budget by a third. He couldn't afford it, so he rewrote the script to the new budget. With Survival, he just said, well, instead of practicals, we'll use CG. Now it fits in the budget, even if it's crap. That, to me, is heading down the I-don't-give-a-crap path. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, I, I'm not ready to put Romero on that list yet, but he's starting that direction. I, I, I do agree to the point that, like, well, if you can't do it right the, the way you want to do it, then now if it were me, I've got several scripts that I've written that I haven't made be, because of that. But, uh, but anyway, but at the same time, I'm not going to say that he can't do it. Right. I'm not saying any of these people can't do it. Like, Toby Hooper, I'd never stop him from directing. I just think he should care more he should care whether crocodile was as bad as it was because if you listen to interviews or read interviews from him about that movie he knew the script was terrible he knew the cast couldn't act and he knew he'd be using playstation one level cgi but he just wanted to make a movie and he didn't care what the movie was well so he should still make it if he likes doing it then he should do it hey it's a job for him at least i mean do you expect him to just like go Work at a convenience store now or something? Well, in Toby Hooper's case, I know why he lost so much respect in Hollywood, and that's because, and this is a very poorly guarded secret, he was a pretty big cokehead in the canon years. I think he, he pissed a lot of his money away, so I don't feel sorry for the fact that he has to make something like Crocodile now. Mm-hmm. He, he was a pretty, I mean, canon, that's the reason he lost Spider-Man when Cannon was going to make that in the 80s, was they, they called him, Glenn and Globus said he was too unreliable at that point because he'd spend more time in his trailer snorting coke than being on the set. There are oh, stories wow. that for Life Force, he wasn't even on the set that the AD directed half that movie. So, you know, it, it just, he pissed his own reliability away for his coke habit, which is unfortunate because I think Hooper is a pretty good director, actually. Yeah, yeah, same yeah, here. That, he is. That, that is unfortunate. You know, and then you've also you've got ones that, and I totally respect the guy for this. You got John Carpenter. Basically, after after Ghosts of Mars, he more or less retired because he, he knew he did. I mean, if you listen to even interviews when Ghosts of Mars came out, he's not the most proud of that movie. So I think he knew he was burning out, and he took a four, five year break and only came back for those two Masters of Horror episodes, one which was good and one which is horrendous. And, you know, he, he knew he didn't have it in him anymore. And I think and I think I can say this. I don't think he wanted to make something the caliber of Ghosts of Mars anymore if he couldn't do it right. It's unfortunate because I liked Ghosts of Mars. I, like, I love that movie, too. Yeah, I, 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 I thought that movie Ghost was of a Mars lot of fun. That much either. I, I thought Ghosts of Mars was a lot of fun. There's a lot of people out there that just hate that movie, though. Yeah, and I, I thought it was a blast. I... I, I I, th- I thought it, it it did well at mixing elements of some of his previous movies. It's like precinct, thir- it's precinct thirteen on Mars, and it's also kind of like the fog. Like I liked that. It was that was fun to me. The the only parts I picked apart were some plot problems. How the characters were required to act stupid to move the plot around. That's the that's, that's my issue. But since you the, the, um, sort of that seventies the... drive-in style, I was willing to go with it. Uh huh. But- that in the flashbacks within a flashback i liked that because that's a that's a very mid-90s miramax kind of thing it is i i I didn't mind that i didn't mind that either Uh, and a lot i've heard that a lot that a lot of people have problems with the way they did that but i but i didn't it it, it worked for me yeah i i enjoyed ghost mars vampires on the other hand i hated that i i might have shot myself in the foot with that by reading the novel first oh okay and the movie and the novel I actually was very encouraged when I watched Vampires because I thought he is taking the novel perfectly. Everything up until the massacre at the hotel is almost exactly like it is in the novel. Uh-huh. And after the hotel massacre, 
the movie goes off in a, in a totally different plot. So that's when I went, oh, really? Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that about the movie. Uh, I, I wasn't a huge fan of vampires. I mean, it, it had, I, I thought it had its moments. James Woods as a vampire hunter? I'm sold. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, he was great. You know, but then you've also got not just directors, but do you think it's right for an actor if they don't need the money? You know, these former big name actors to be taking this was very prevalent in the 70s and early 80s. Not as much today. These low budget movies that are really, really below them. Even like the ones like William Shatner would get to pay a mortgage. Yeah, I'm saying that those types of roles, though. Oh, yeah. Shatner said in the 70s, didn't matter how bad it was. The script came with a check that didn't bounce. He was there. Yeah. He didn't even read them beforehand. Just check cleared. All right, I'll be on set on Monday. Uh-huh. Take a role like that and then like hand it to somebody who doesn't need the money is what you're saying. I'm saying something like, and now I love this film. You've got a film like Tentacles from 1979. You've got Henry Fonda, John Huston, and Shelley Winters in this little half-million-dollar film that they just did just cuz you know mm-hmm. none of them needed the money none of their careers were in the dump they just you know what looks like fun now i don't begrudge them that looks like fun but do you think that makes people lose respect a little for john houston when you go he was in a jaws ripoff with a giant octopus really well i i think as long as they're as long as they they really are giving it their all as long as they're having fun as long as they're still giving a solid performance of the movie I don't have a problem with that. I think it would be completely different if they just did it for really no reason whatsoever and they just completely phoned it in and sucked. Oh, you mean like Brad Pitt appears to be doing in the World War Z trailer? I I haven't seen that trailer. Oh, it's terrible. Well, Is it? <laughs> yeah. You... Have you heard the the I I think it's there. I think that they're wanting to release it as a PG thirteen. Oh, even worse. Well, they're they're reshooting sixty percent of it. Wow. They're spending another $100 million to reshoot 60%, and uh, Brad Pitt doesn't want to show up anymore. Him, him and the director are, are not even on speaking terms anymore. And you can tell when you watch the trailer, he is in total, I don't want to be here mode. Wow. I Brad know. Pitt actually gives probably the least enthused performance I've ever seen in his career. Wow. He just totally, am I wrong, Alex, since you've seen it? He looks like he does not want to be in this movie whatsoever. Yeah, he just asleep during the movie michael madsen in blood rain <laughs> yeah. yes that's what it looks no, I like i think it's comparable <laughs> to that because it almost looks like he is just i'm just gonna say my lines and get it over with maybe did, I can go home is, isn't that what uva ball said that he did well he said michael madsen was drunk half the time too yeah so i'm sure that didn't help matters at all but yeah you've got something like that like michael madsen why would he take the role if he didn't want it there's that question there Maybe he needed the money. <laughs> yeah, with Michael Madsen, he probably did need the money. Because, I mean, I know, like, with Wesley Snipes, all those ones that Matthew Buck reviews, that was direct-to-video Wesley Snipes, we know about his IRS problems. He had to take any script he was given. I get that in Snipes' case. You've got ones like Madsen that just don't care. Or, and I'm going to butcher her name, Brad, maybe you can help me with this, Genevieve Bioid, the 70s coma movie. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, she was the original Captain Janeway on Star Trek Voyager. Oh, okay. She was fired after two days of shooting, and some of her footage leaked out online. She is in complete don't-give-a-fuck mode. She she looks like she is so bored that she is having so much trouble with the dialogue. This is speculation on my part. I speculate her agent got her into something she didn't care about. Her agent probably said, you do a Star Trek series, you're never going to have to work again. And then when she got on set, she went, this isn't for me. And I think, because it almost looks like her footage is so bad that she was trying to get fired. That's what it looks like to me. That's probably why they fired her then. So so you've got that where your agent might get you into something. Well, like uh, that Eric Roberts movie I worked on, Project Solitude. Eric, I don't know what he got paid, but it's a movie that's 95% exteriors, shot in northern Wisconsin, December in what turned out to be the coldest winter in Wisconsin history. So not a pleasant experience for Eric Roberts physically. He uh-huh. made a, he made a joke to a bunch of us. If I knew it was going to be this goddamn cold, I'd ask for more money. <laughs> <laughs> and that to, it says to me, cause he doesn't half ass it in the movie that he's being a trooper about it, but it also says 
his agent didn't really think all this all the way through either. Uh-huh. So that, that to me, it could be something like that where your agent got you into something that you really don't want to be part of. Boxing Helena. Yeah, that movie. That movie was really bad. That they had Kim Basinger on the line, and I think they gave her a huge upfront settlement or a huge upfront payment, and it was based on this script that was getting all this buzz in Hollywood, and her agent gave it to her. She just said, yeah, I'll take the money. Then after she read the script, she refused to do it because she didn't want to be part of this, but she didn't want to give the money back either. Uh, you don't do the movie, you don't keep the money. I'm sorry, that's the way it goes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. This I is agree the Marlon with that. Brando where he gets a million dollars to even read the script. Yeah. He takes it or not, you got to pay him a million for him to even read it. This isn't Marlon Brando territory here. So it, it that's another thing. Marlon Brando, Island of Dr. Moreau, might not be a great movie. <laughs> Why was he even in that? He clearly didn't want to be. He refused to learn his lines. They had to feed him his lines through an IFB earpiece. And he was literally just reading what was in his ear. At one point during Island of Dr. Moreau, the frequencies got crossed with a baseball game. So he just started saying the baseball game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. Uh, Richard Stanley tells the story of how, and then I created, and it's a high fly ball over to third. And he just kept going. He was so out of it, didn't care so much that was whatever was being said into his ear, he repeated back out. I finally saw that. It was on TV like two, three days ago. And Brando looks like he's making a different movie. That's uh-huh. what, you know, should you just quit when you clearly don't want to be on the set? I don't know. That was one of the more entertaining things about that movie. <laughs> I actually liked Val Kilmer in that one. I thought, Yeah, I mean, Val Kilmer looked like he was having fun. Oh, he, he doesn't even remember that movie. He admitted he was so high during the shooting of that. And you can kind of see it in his performance. You can. Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, Val Kilmer was wasted while he was making this, wasn't he? Uh-huh. I think a lot of people on that set were, because there's a bunch of weird stuff going on in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that movie, I don't know, it should have been good. It really should have. Well, wasn't the director, like, fired partway into the movie and just, like, replaced after much of the footage was shot? No, he was replaced after about six days, and and that was Richard Stanley, the director of Dust Devil and Hardware. Uh-huh. He he wasn't getting along with Val Kilmer, so that didn't help things. And he, he said Kilmer actually apologized to him years later for being such a dick on the set of that movie. Yeah. But the big thing was, wherever they were shooting, I don't remember what foreign country it was shot in, all of a sudden they had a bunch of monsoons, which destroyed all the sets and delayed shooting. You can't shoot a mostly exterior movie in a bunch of monsoon, in a monsoon. Uh The production company held Stanley responsible. You know, you're six days behind schedule. I can't predict a monsoon. And (laughs) and then with Val Kilmer bitching about him, they just said, this guy can't do it. Frankenheimer that filmed it? Yes, it it was Frankenheimer, which is another director that should have called it quits long before he did Dr. Moreau. I mean, he's passed on now, but after Moreau, he did Reindeer Games. Yeah, that was his last movie. Never seemed like a good idea. That never could have. He also did Ronin, though, right? Yeah, he did Ronin. Yeah, that that was good. I, I didn't mind Ronin. I didn't think that was too bad. Yeah, yeah, I, I liked Ronin. I think Ronin was a little needlessly complicated plot-wise, but other than that, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, other than that, I, I liked it. Should the director have just given up? You know, in like in Richard Stanley's case... He didn't want to give up. Hollywood stopped hiring him. Or the way Bobcat Goldthwait put it in his newest stand-up special, which is hilarious, by the way. He's, somebody asked him, did you retire from Hollywood or, for, or were you fired? And he said, I decided to retire conveniently when they stopped calling. <laughs> yeah. No one asked him any hot-to-trot questions? <laughs> if I ever got to interview him, I'd ask him about God Bless America and... Hot to try. No, I I didn't like Hot to Try. I, I you like that movie way more than I do. <laughs> hey, come on, man! Burgess Meredith gets reincarnated into a fly. It's comedic gold. <laughs> it's Mr. Ed made for toilet humor. That's what's I, so I, awesome about I, I, yeah, it. Yeah, I fail. I fail to see your problem with this. <laughs> but I'm gonna go with a talking horse movie. I'm probably gonna go with that horrible Mr. Ed pilot from a f- early 2000s. Oh, I didn't see that. I didn't they, even they, they, tried, about they tried that. to remake it when the WB was still the WB channel. Oh, it's I gotta find this on this. every level you can think of. I've got. Are they it. like 
I'll send it to you one of these days, Brad. It's it's an ad. Send it to me. I've got to see who's in this. Was it one of those? Hey, we've got CGI now, so let's really make a talking horse. Uh, yeah, it does have CG lips. Oh. That was made at the same time the WB. I swear I'm not making this up. Tried to bring back All in the Family, but putting a twist on it, it was all a black family. It was starring Al Sharpton as as well, G. Bunker. Um, yeah, looking up was... the Mister Mister Ed had Sherilyn Fenn in it, <laughs> <laughs> and Sherman Hemsley has the voice of Mister Ed. I was gonna say I, I believe he was the voice of the of Mister Ed. Yeah. So I'm gonna have to send that to you, huh, Brad? Even though it's out of your time period, I'd love to see the snob tackle that. I'll do that on a DVD-R hell. But, but then you, you've also got, you see this with a lot of movie actors, big movie actors, when they are when they do TV. Even when he was still a star, Steven Seagal on Saturday Night Live, did he seem for one second that he wanted to be on that Saturday Night Live episode? Not really. Uh, you, you, you could tell that he probably didn't want to be there. There, but I still found that episode pretty funny because was playing a very quiet, soft-spoken character like he usually does. So it's it's not like you could really tell the difference. <laughs> but I mean, you could just see like even in the even when they're all doing the bows at the end, everyone else is bowing and he just turns and leaves. Yeah, he just turned and left. Yeah, yeah. He's like, the credits are here. I'm out of here. Where's my limo? Uh huh. Well, I really don't blame him because the SNL environment doesn't look like it would suit Steven Seagal. I mean, the ad lib, reading off of cue cards, doing it all on the fly versus Steven Seagal, who's probably worked everything with a script. Well, Donald Pleasance, he he said he was real. And you can tell Donald Pleasance in his 1981 episode was uneasy, but not Uh that he didn't want to be there. He looked like he was having a lot of fun once he settled in at, at about a half hour in. But you could tell Donald Pleasance was a little uneasy with the reading off cue cards and the live TV thing. But he, yeah. didn't, but he didn't phone it in, and you could Wasn't tell. Wasn't that the Fear episode? Yes, that was the one with Fear and uh, John Belushi's final appearance. Right, right, yeah, yeah, I, I remember that. That's the one where Fear, not Fear, but their fans got a little raunchy. And that was uh-huh. on Halloween night, 1981. They had like a bunch of jack-o'-lanterns, and they... They brought in their fans instead of the normal Saturday Night Live audience for the music segments. Uh-huh. Their fans jumped up on stage, and it cuts off. You can see one of them start to grab the big pumpkin and about to smash it into the audience when it abruptly cuts to commercial. Oh. So you could tell that, that the fear was not very well liked by by NBC at that point. Yeah, yeah. But I, 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 they, they pretty much come out and say, you know, which – Actors who have been on there were horrible to work with and just didn't want to be there. They've mentioned like Frank Zappa. He was when he hosted Paris Hilton when she hosted. <laughs> that was just a bad idea all around. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I know there was the trouble with a bunch of the cast members with Dice, nope. but I can't remember if Dice was gave them crap or not, or if it was just all those female cast members that refused to work with them. I think it was that. I, that, I, I think it was that that just as soon as he was that they announced that he was going to be hosting, they they dropped out of it. Milton Berle too back in the day was apparently horrible to work with on there. Well, and then not horrible or phoning it in, but look at the second episode with Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor not only is having such a good time, they said he was the hardest one to work with because he kept ad libbing off script. Uh huh. And he kept making them laugh. <laughs> so and you've seen numerous times in that episode, Belushi and them and Chevy Chase and that breaking character because Richard Pryor's not following the script and he made up something funnier than what was written. Uh-huh. So I can see from an actor's standpoint how that's a difficult person to work with. But n- not in a bad way, though. Not in a way like uh-huh. he was being a dick. Just Richard Pryor got inspiration and went off. Yeah, and those episodes were the best. Richard Pryor's is so funny when he's in that Exorcist parody. and Yeah. I, I mean, and you can tell that that one with him and Chevy Chase where what's the first word that comes to your head for each uh-huh. of the words? You can tell. Dead at, honky. Yeah. Dead honky. You can <laughs> tell that Chevy Chase is a little taken aback by a few of those. Uh-huh. Richard Pryor clearly made Chevy Chase nervous in those those. Sketches. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be the highest paid janitor in the country, sir. <laughs> All right, Mr. Wilson, you've done just fine on the Rorschach. Your papers are 
In good order, the file's fine. No difficulty with your motor skills. And I think you're probably pretty ready for this job. We got one more uh, kind of psychological test we always do here. It's just a word association. I'll uh, throw you out a few words. Uh, anything that comes to your mind, just throw it back at me, okay? Just kind of an arbitrary thing. Like if I said dog, you'd say... Tree. Tree. <laughs> dog? Tree. Fast? Slow? Rain? Snow? White? Black. Bean? Pod. Negro? Whitey. Tar baby? What'd you say? Tar baby? Oh, fake. Colored? Redneck. Jungle bunny. Peck of wood. Burhead. Cracker. Spear chucker. White trash. Jungle bunny. Hunker. Spade. Hunker, hunker. Nigger. Dead hunky. I think you're qualified for this job. Uh, how about a starting salary of $5,000? Your mama. Uh, $7,500 a year. Your grandma. $15,000, Mr. Wilson. You'll be the highest paid janitor in America. Just don't, don't hurt me, please. Okay. Okay. You want me to start now? Oh, no, no, no. That's all right. I'll clean all this up. But take a couple of weeks off. You look tired. You know, you got ones like that. So, well, Richard Fryer wasn't phoning it in. He just was difficult, probably without even meaning to. One with Tom Hanks, who's been on SNL several times, though. Say, it was... I, I don't remember Tom Hanks' appearance. Um, oh, he's it, been on there quite a few times. I think it was right when he was promoting Castaway that he was on, and it was so awkward because he didn't seem to get along with anybody. Because, like, every sketch, he would say a couple lines to get the sketch going in character, and then the rest of the cast would just take it from there, and he'd just sit in the back. Huh. Well, is it as bad as Bill Murray when he joined? He was so hated by the cast that he actually once, in one episode, got into a fist fight with Chevy Chase right before they went on the air. And they're like, ten, nine, and, and yeah. they're, they're throwing punches, and all of a sudden they slick their hair back and totally professional. That's a true professional, and then so they started fighting again as soon as the camera, the red light went off. They kept him apart throughout that whole episode. Um I don't think there was there was there wasn't one sketch where they inter the two interact with each other. And then at the end when they're saying their goodbyes, Bill Murray isn't on stage at first, and then he halfway through the end credits, he walks out and is just kind of standing there and you can tell he looks pissed. And you see John Belushi try cheering him up by throwing some like fake punches at him. Yeah, cause, you know, which at the time we didn't know it's cuz him and Chase were fighting behind backstage. Yeah. You know, but that's one of those nice anecdotes for down the line. Uh-huh. How the hell do we get talking about Saturday Night Live? <laughs> or, or or you have ones where sometimes the actor's out of his depth. Like Saturday Night Live, I love Christian Slater. He seemed uncomfortable in his entire episode, didn't he? It's him yeah, at January Jones. You ever see it when she hosted? No, I didn't see that one. Oh, my God. I stopped watching in the late 90s, I think. She, yeah. Yeah, I, that was about the time I stopped watching it regularly. But, I mean, Christian Slater, he looks like like he's trying, but he... I, I think the live TV thing is what hurts most people. This, the ones that are yeah, obviously reading off the cue cards in every, in every uh, sketch. For Christopher Walken, that's normal. Well, yeah, but, I mean, that, that kind of suits his whole presence there though Christopher Walken was always funny on that show though yeah exactly that like kind of goes along with his overall appearance there 
to me, Saturday Night Live doesn't seem to try anymore. They seem to be more interested in the flavor of the month rather than anyone with staying power. Now, what about when, and you do see this sometimes in the adult world, when you've got an adult star that doesn't want to work with the other actor in the scene, and you can mm-hmm. see them phoning it in, which, especially in 80s porn, is a little hard to tell sometimes, uh-huh. since it was all so phoned in. Yeah. I saw one once where this girl was just talking to the cameraman the whole time, like nothing was happening. And then she's like, okay, can we stop? I'm tired now. I've I've, I've seen ones like that, yeah. Uh-huh. I've seen that. But so what it comes down to is like, another great example would be even a writer, such as Hunter Thompson. I love Hunter S. Thompson, okay? I don't know where either of you fall in his stuff, but I love his stuff. And he admitted around 99, 2000 that he knew he wasn't writing the way Hunter Thompson should be writing. He knew he didn't have it anymore. He knew he wasn't Hunter Thompson any longer. Should he have quit, which he did, or should he have just kept going just because he's Hunter Thompson? It's his choice. If he wants to keep going, he should keep going. And if he wants to quit, then he should quit quit it's entirely up to the uh, the artist but i'm just saying from your perspective if if he couldn't write at the level he wanted to write at anymore and he did quit should he have kind of kept going and pulling the toby hooper of i just want to keep writing i don't care if it's any good or like what he did because i respect the fact that he said i don't have it anymore uh-huh you well, know then I, that's I gotta fine. pack it in mm-hmm. then that's fine you know it's his decision and there's and there's nothing wrong with that. Unfortunately, part of his decision was putting a bullet in his mouth. Sure. Well, yeah. That that's unfortunately how he decided to stop being Hunter Thompson was suicide. And I don't agree with that. But on the other side, you have these you have the people that and this happened to a lot of the classic science fiction writers. A lot of the people who came up during the 50s and 60s as some of the biggest names in science fiction literature. In the 90s, they were literally writing things that one guy said, I think it was Larry Niven said, when he wrote, I think it was an X-Files novel, this was purely for the paycheck. I really wish I did not have to write a goddamn X-Files novel to pay my rent. You know another author like that that I've noticed, though, is Dean Koontz. He's reached a point where he's just writing the same book over and over. Wasn't he always? Well, yeah, for the most part. But unlike oh, but lately... Affleck was to bomb and Phantoms. <laughs> you know what? I actually didn't mind Phantoms as a movie. I didn't think Phantoms was that bad. I I I thought it was pretty bad, but... I said I didn't, that bad. I don't, I, don't, I don't regret watching it. You've got people like... I'm sure, and I'm glad he didn't, but I'm sure for a while, Affleck thought about giving up after... Like like with Reindeer Games and Surviving Christmas and Paycheck and Affleck had all these bombs in a row. I think he probably considered just giving up at that point. In a way, I'm glad he didn't because while I haven't seen Argo yet, I've heard nothing but great things and that trailer is great for Argo. Yeah, he's he's really turned his career around and some of the ones he did back in the day that were considered pretty bad, I told him I didn't think were that bad. Reindeer um, Games is still bad. Reindeer Games was bad. Yeah, Reindeer Games was bad. No, um, no amount of director's cutting is going to fix Reindeer Games. Yeah, Re- Reindeer Games was a bad movie. But, but yeah, he's really turned it. The, all the movies that, that he's directed, the three movies he's directed, are phenomenal. Have you seen Argo? Yeah, it's great. I think it looks great, and the trailer had me hooked right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So I very much want to see Argo. That That's on my 2C list as soon as it hits video. Yeah, yeah. same here. And I liked the town, too. Yeah, the town was awesome. Oh, you don't mean that Mark Wahlberg knockoff that's the exact same plot? Uh, that new one coming out, Broken City? No, this is the one that came out last year with Mark Wahlberg called Contraband. It's the exact oh. same plot as the town. So oh. Like, well, they were quick with that remake. <laughs> that's funny. I didn't see Contraband. I haven't seen the movie, but the trailer, I'm like, they even cut the, the trailers are almost the same. Yeah. It's like you're not even pretending you're not a ripoff of the town at this point. I guess what it comes down to is like, Brad, let, let's say you stop having a passion for the cinema snob, but uh-huh. but he's your most bankable show. 
would you keep doing the cinema snob after you stopped caring just to make a living or would you stop the cinema snob when the cinema snob needs to be stopped um i well um i would move on to other things i i'd move on to other projects there's sh- i mean you'll there's shows that i've done in the past that i don't really do anymore because i don't have a particular passion or a a mood to to write one of those other shows uh you know i like moving on to other things and trying new things but i still love doing the snob well i just used him as an example because uh, it, it seems it seems like you're having more fun with the snob now than you used to oh right on it seems like uh, the snob episodes you're enjoying them or having more fun making them at this point I well uh yeah that really started when I moved over to Flip cuz then yeah then I really 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 I mean I always liked doing it but I enjoyed it a lot more when I got off of Flip cuz I could make them how I really wanted them to be which was as long as they needed to be whereas on YouTube I had to shorten it down to 10 minutes and you had no facial hair in some of those which is really creepy Yeah yeah Early shaved, Brad, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or or, or <laughs> when you're sitting in that basement with no posters, just sitting on the floor? Yeah, when I was sitting on the floor. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Those were some dark times for the snob. Yeah, they were. He had his shit stolen and had to do stuff on the floor. <laughs> well, they were what dark times. Look at the lighting. Yeah, just look <laughs> at the lighting. Or, or the I camera go... that we can hear in the ba- running in the background. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the early days. So, Alex, what about Geek Juice? Same same question. Would you keep doing Geek Juice? G- Let's say Geek Juice really takes off, which I think it should. Let's say that happens. You no longer have a passion for doing antisocials or anything. Would you just keep doing it just because? Would you pull like a James Rolfe and just keep doing it because that's where your money comes from? Well, no, like Brad said, I would, I would also move on to different projects. Yeah, and, you know, if... You know, I take a week off sometimes when I when I need to, when I need to just relax. Take Doug Walker, for instance. He went on, tried different things, you know, because he, like said, he was tired of getting burned out on the critics, so he tried out different things. Oh, I don't, I don't begrudge I say, him. I don't begrudge yeah, him. I don't begrudge him moving that, that off. Yeah. I, I just think the things he moved on to were, you quit the critic for this. Well, that, that, that's where my issue comes in. It. I think demo reel is one of the worst things I've seen in the last decade, but okay. <laughs> and then sometimes I was, I was leading to a point by bringing him up to the fact that you know he's still finding success with his site through it. Right. I mean, him killing the critic did not kill his site. So you know whether somebody tires of their biggest thing or not, they and can they do, still they're find doing success. Like, yeah, they're doing like they do with with any pilot. Uh, you know, when you do a pilot, you throw stuff at the wall and you see what sticks, and they aired the pilot and they're going off some of they're going off of some of the critiques they've gotten of it and are branching out from there. I did the same thing when uh I did the same thing when I did the pilot for 80s Dan, which was kind of mixed when it was posted, but then I retooled it from there and now it's it's my favorite show on the site. Probably the most labor intensive too, isn't it to it, actually get one out? It is the most labor intensive, which is I I wish I could do more of them. I wish I could do I wish I could do more of them, honestly. An episode of 80s Dan is almost like a whole film. Yeah, yeah. I wish, well, I wish, well, it's like an I episode of a do... sitcom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is, I, I wish I could do more, but unfortunately, like you said, uh, it's it's the one that takes the longest to do. Well, and it's got the largest cast. So you got to get Jake yeah. and Jillian and Sarah Jake's, and Brian. Jake's not, Jake's not hard. He just it takes like 15 minutes for Jake to do his part. He just comes over and records the audio all right so what it comes down to is am i an asshole for saying toby hooper should just stop if he doesn't care or is that just my opinion because brad clearly you have the opposite opinion as does alex am i out of line saying that if you don't care what the final product is like why even do it no i don't think that makes you an asshole but at the end of the day you know it's up to them nobody at mcdonald's cares about their final product but I still shop there. That's because you're an idiot. So, Brad, where can people find you? Uh, TheCinemaSnob.com. Alex? GeekJuiceMedia.com. 
And this is where I'd normally list my stuff. But my website is now gone because it's been hacked off the internet by the Vietnamese. What? Specifically the Vietnamese? Oh, yeah, it is. It, it says something's not quite right here. Yeah. The site my, has been suspended. My, my website got a DOS attack about three days ago. My site got a DOS attack, and the IP that's attacking it is originating out of Vietnam. I was about to say, okay. Because I was going to say, why are you specifically saying the Vietnamese here? Because someone <laughs> in Vietnam targeted my website with a DOS attack, and it has been destroyed. So one normally the, I'd point you to... Ch- one of the trolls? I think it's got to be. It's got to be one of the trolls. Although it would be quite racist to point this out at somebody going, He don't like Josh Whedon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally leaving that in, too. <laughs> so normally I'd tell you about 1201beyond.com, but it doesn't exist right now. So for the time being, 1201beyond at gmail.com. Sanity is razor thin over at Alex Jowski's Geek Juice Media and the Shadows of Pop Culture in Scene Magazine. Good night, guys. Even the, <laughs> even those of you in Vietnam. I'm just picturing, like, it was all huddled together to wear, like, rice hats. Hey, <laughs> 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 you know, I'm Josh Whedon. <laughs>